What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, November 7th, 2022, and this week's episode, UFC 281, The Garden Becomes Striker Oasis. We'll talk about this past Saturday's UFC event. Where does Amanda Lemos go following her upset of Marina Rodriguez? And Neil Magny passing George St. Pierre for the most wins in UFC welterweight history. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Jake Paul says his big fight with Anderson Silva did not sell like they thought it would. We'll talk about what that means for the future. And we'll cap it off by talking about this coming Saturday's pay-per-view blockbuster from New York City's Madison Square Garden, the triple header, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya looking for revenge against Alex Pereira, strawweight champion Carla Esparza taking on former title holder Zhangwei Li, and the lightweight showcase between Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with your co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Double G. How are you doing, man? Did you change your clocks yet? Are you uh, one of those that goes around and changes them all immediately, like ahead of time, or do you wait till the day after? Oh, I wait till the day after, like normal people. Well, who I the heck? Do. Who the heck does it on Saturday, man? I don't know, but my husband's like, "You better change the clocks," and I was like, "Day before? Who does that?" You know. So, if I'm being quite honest, I only have, t- depending on your house, ladies and gentlemen, you might only have two or three clocks. So, yeah. the only I only have three: the stove, the microwave, and my car. Everything else is automatic. Cable box, your phone, etc. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm feeling all right. What about you? Yes, I'm fine. It kind of, I think because of my son just being at this age, like time, one hour time change doesn't make a, di- a difference. It's like I'm still not getting sleep at, no matter what. Uh, but yeah, I microwave, oven. Uh, I have a lot of little like... M- alarm clocks all over the house like just digital clocks not because i set alarms but just because i like to know the time so i had to change those uh that's it the one on the oven took like five minutes because you have to press the button for every minute you want to change it all the way around 24 hours so that that takes forever i'll be honest my uh stove is rather new so it's like the car two clicks you're good to go it's nice yeah let me tell you some great investment (laughs) But anyway, before we lose everybody, let's talk about Saturday. Um, UFC Vegas 64 from the Apex. Um, Only a couple of these left, if I'm not mistaken. I think only it might be two, maybe three, but no more than that left at the UFC Apex for the year. And to be honest, this one, I'm not going to lie. I know people, it's such a weird pacing of the event right i mean we're coming off that back-to-back 280 jake paul we know msg is coming this week that this one kind of felt like hey you know it's kind of sneaking up on people um really that double header at the top really delivered and then some to start with uh lemos versus rodriguez uh, i'll be honest this is one of those moments um I, you know i just slept on lemos and yeah. I knew she was very, I knew she was capable. I knew, for example, when we talked about it earlier this year, I knew she had earned her headliner with Jessica Andrash. This was her proverbial, hey, you get to step up eventually. This is her step up moment. She'd had good wins. She was a solid, solid record, solid contender. But obviously you're taking on someone like Andrash. And it didn't go her way. Okay, she comes back. Um, 
beats Michelle Waterson, which, um, you know, Waterson was coming off a layoff. So I think that even though she had a solid record, there was just that, you know, we hadn't seen her really prove it that she could beat this person who might be, you know, let's be honest, if anything had happened two weeks ago, Marina Rodriguez probably would have been pulled and made, you know, stepped right into a title fight this Saturday. So really to watch her perform, first off, it was a great fight. I thought that they were very competitive back and forth. I think that Marina was trying to just get her movement going, get her distance, get her timing going. And Lemos, she just, she was just letting those hands fly. She was just looking to make it physical. She was looking to just really throw with those bad intentions, make Marina, I will say this, I don't know if she would have been able to keep that up for five rounds quite at the rate she was going. She did look good as they were going into the, you know, as they were fighting in the third. But she was just really putting a lot of heat on a lot of punches. And I think that Marina was really struggling to just get it going because every time you're getting in close, you feel like you're stepping into that fire. And I think that Lemos really made the most out of that, found her way into good positions on the mat. Marina defended well. Marina obviously had her moments in there too, but it just felt like the more telling moments, the more dramatic moments just kept going to Lemos. And even though it was still competitive, even though Marina could have obviously started to pull away in the later rounds, she starts connecting. I, in the moment, thought, oh, you know, too soon on that stoppage. On the replay, when you see Marina's hand positioning and how she's almost turning away and she's still taking those shots, um, not as bad as the face plant when you're trying to get the ref to call an early stoppage, but... Yeah, that, that was um that was pretty fair. I thought that Marina was definitely saved, even though she wasn't out. I do feel like she was given enough of the indicators that you can't really complain about that stoppage. Yeah, I agree. It didn't seem early in you know live viewing for me. Marina obviously was not happy with it, but to my eye, she was just standing there, exact hand positions as you say, with her hands basically down, almost looking sideways, just eating shots. She what almost got the hands up too late. Like she okay. took some and then at the end she kind of gets the guard up, but the ref was already coming was in. already stepping in, yeah. What was interesting to me in the replay is that a lot of the punches that I thought landed in real time didn't. Um, now, there were still heavy shots, significant ones, but it looked uh, on the original angle, it looked like more shots were landing. Uh, not the case from the reverse angle. However, I had no issue with the stoppage because of how Marina was positioned. Um, there was at least like two seconds and that's a long time in MMA, two seconds when you're eating punches where she was just standing there with her face exposed. So uh, no issue there, but I do feel guilty for not giving Lemos, Lemos enough credit. Uh, yeah. Very surprised. Your breakdown was perfect. Exactly what went down. And um, you know, it's a big win for her. I think most people were expecting Rodriguez to, to have this, win to get this win i think we both picked her i think i picked by decision but i can't remember what you picked yep um and so yeah big shock to me but these are the kinds of things we love about mma and now you know what position i asked myself you know how much does this hurt rodriguez and how much does this help limos and so i toss it back to you you know at least for the lemos question do you think uh she did is this a great win or just a solid win for her 
Oh, I mean, I, I got to use the capital G great on that one. I mean, like I said, Rodriguez could have stepped into the title fight and people wouldn't have complained, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, this now we are in a, quite the conundrum, because if I'm being honest, uh, there's a little bit of a screw the pooch kind of situation moving forward. You have obviously, you know, Carlos Barza wins. Do you make a third fight with Rose Namajunas? Or Jessica Andrade stopped Lemos. That's literally Jessica's last fight. She's now moving up to flyweight, though, to fly, fight Lauren Murphy in January. If Jessica wins that one, does she still want to come back to 115 to potentially fight Carla or rematch Wei Li? I mean, Jessica should get the, you know, the nod, right? She's the one who stopped Lemos. Um... Outside of that, do you reintroduce someone like Jan Shannon, who had lost to Rodri- excuse me to Rodriguez? I mean, th- this makes for an interesting conundrum. Once again, you know, like Rose is out there, so I really, I don't know. And then also, it feels like, well, shouldn't you do the trilogy, Jessica and Rose? But then now the timing is off for the champion. It's I'll be honest, there's no straight answer for me. I predict the champion uh, on Saturday, we're probably not going to see them compete until around, I'd say maybe early summer. I don't know, 4th of July, but if you tell me that's when they're coming back, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, It's just very difficult there's just no right answer in terms of the the next title challenger in my opinion because just the mma math just where everyone is scheduled and built right now for my money i think that um if Wei Li wins you don't do rose namayunas if carla sparza wins i could see on the name value that go rose I mean, Rose Namajunas, I think she has a whole documentary coming out yeah. in T-minus like 48 hours on Fight Pass. So I don't think the UFC does things like that without really still feeling the love for you. So I think if Esparza wins, now you'd go Namajunas. Obviously, if Rodriguez won, you'd probably go Rodriguez. But now everyone's off the schedule. Jessica's booked. Le- Jessica beat Lemos, so it's really like you know, I think everyone else has been taken off the board. Now, if Zhang Wei Li wins, I could see Yan Shanan sneaking in there, oh. just because I don't know if that one got the job done for Lemos to leap past everybody because she lost to Jessica. But that's just where I'm at. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm, you know, I don't know if that gets the job done. As great as the fight, as good as the victory is, I don't know if it gets the job done to to put her past these other names that you're mentioning, even Jan Shonan. So I think she'll be a strong, you know, candidate waiting in the wings in case we need a backup for something. But I, I suspect she'll have to fight again, um, you know, another another big name before she gets the call for the for the title shot. I hope they don't, you know, whoever wins this uh, this fight on the on over the weekend. I hope we don't have to wait till July for a defense. That seems. I know you're saying, you know, that's 
not that's a little far out, but you wouldn't be surprised. But I mean, Aljamain Sterling, like March. Aljamain Sterling was like, "Bro, I'll see you guys mid next year." It's like, "Bro, you fought in October. What you mean mid next year?" But <laughs> I mean, that's like eight months from now. Yeah, but that's when I say like, like you know, it's like that's when I'm like, okay, give me an interim, or I would challenge the cha- current champion and say like, dude, like. This isn't the kind of, it's like you got a promotion at work and then you're like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation. That's not how exactly. it works. It doesn't make sense. You know, I guess I would say Jessica Andrade could sneak in there. I think that that, Jessica's got to get Murphy out of there quick to sneak it back into the time frame. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, look, Murphy's tough. Murphy's a big girl too. And she's but, big. Yeah, you're talking about a former 35er. Jessica, most people would argue she still does her best work at 115. So, you know, that's, uh, this is just tough. Yeah, for my money, if Esparza wins, it's going to go Rose, then Andrade in terms of one and two priority. If Whaley wins, you go Shannon Lemos. Okay. Um, or actually... You could run it back with Jessica, honestly. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go. You know, yeah, if Whaley wins, I'll go Jessica, Shannon, Lemos. Yeah, I like Andrade better there we for, go. as a rematch. Yeah, but that. but if it's Carla Esparza, I mean, you kind of feel like that Rose Namajunas fight is just right there. And then Jessica's just got that body of work. And then if Jessica loses, then Lemos leaps forward over a bunch of people. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Um, that co-main event. I'm not gonna lie. It did not look good for a minute for Neil Magny. I thought that D Rod was actually fighting him really well. He was obviously finding a home for that left hand. He was using his physicality. I thought that D Rod would actually struggle a little more with that just reach and length of Neil. And Neil Magny is that guy. You know what? Sometimes he gets these wins that are like, how did you sleep on him? And then other times it's like you're reminded why he hasn't, you know, made that proverbial leap into contention. Right. And he's just he's so consistent, but he's also taken a few L's in those big fights that you thought might finally propel him forward. And I thought it looked like Saturday was like, you know, he's kind of being used to propel Rodriguez forward. And then he just showed why he's such a crafty guy. You know, he wasn't eating heavy damage on the feet. And he just kept looking for those opportunities to grapple. And when he finally got it, sank it in, gets the finish, breaks GSP's record for wins at welterweight. I was just like, you know what? Y'all counted that man out. Bravo, Neil. I I really enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, it's a really cool, like, you know, accolade to have to own that record. And so no matter what happens in his career and you, you reference, you know, how he's sort of on paper and you hear the name and you think like, Oh yeah, Neil Magny. But then sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. I think RDA, I feel like that was one of the fights where I was like really shocked that he, that he got owned. So in any case, no matter what happens in his career, this is something that you can't take away from the man. And so it's one of those things where like, I'll be happy. If I'm him, I'm like, I'm happy no matter what, you know, maybe I don't get a title shot. Maybe I don't get to the top as far up as I want to, but being on this list where you just surpassed GSP, where you beat him at something, 
how many other people are that close to breaking this record? I don't know, but um, this is a good thing for him, regardless of what happens next in his UFC career. Um, but yeah, it was a close one. He was in trouble there, and uh, I mean, that's the thing with Neil Magny is he has so much experience. It's like a former Marine. Like he's just the kind of person that's never going to quit. And so this is what happens when you have that attitude. You know, you win a fight, but not only do you win it, you make this this really awesome leap into the record book. So good on him, man. No, I enjoyed it. Um, look, he's obviously still there. Was never afraid of Hamza Chemaev. Obviously, that ship has sailed. But yeah, you know, uh, keep giving him the fights. I mean, Mr. Chefcat Rachmanov. I mean, that guy, he keeps on in big fights. I, I think you guys got to keep that respect on Neil Magny. You don't just walk through a guy like that. Yeah. Unless you're RDA, but that's another story. <laughs> um, I, I got to say, I really didn't expect it to go down like that that, that one time, but yeah. I digress. Uh, Jake Paul, um, he pretty much, it wasn't the um, his brother's podcast, which I know gets a lot of a lot of airtime with a lot of big names. But he essentially came out and said, yeah, my big fight, my return to boxing and the GOAT Anderson Silva, he said, it looks like it's trending toward a roughly quarter of a million buys. And he did list several reasons as to why, you know, the number happened. And he said, look, it's Halloween weekend, people... Halloween's on a Monday, so they were gonna they were always gonna party on Friday and Saturday. Secondly, um, you know, the World Series, you're in the midst of everything. And said there was already a lot of things to get everyone's attention. And then he said it, we didn't really discuss it, this rumor that, you know, Anderson answers the question and he says, Oh, I got knocked out in practice. Mm-hmm. And obviously Anderson came out and said, No, I misspoke, I didn't mean that, but you know, the clip circulated and the headlines ran away with it. And then it's like, well, Anderson is already 47 to Jake's 20 something. Is he already compromised? Is the fight going to get canceled and said, you know, pretty much that it got shot in the foot before it ever took off on Saturday and said that the numbers just never really did translate. There was a bit of that, trepidation that the fight would just get canceled again jake paul wasn't going to get to fight again and uh yeah natalie um uh, i'll say it it felt like this was always the biggest fight that could have been made for jake paul i feel like he i don't know there's two things i will admit that the novelty has worn off but then again, he did do what I felt like he needed to if he was going to keep interest in this whole experiment, right? Mm-hmm. And I would argue it's not an experiment. It is now a way of life. The kid boxes and he's really popular, so he headlines pay-per-views. A quarter of a million, I do think, speaks to everything else happening. And what I mean by that is you had it, all the MMA people who love Anderson probably spent their money the week before on 280. And they're also probably where two weeks later, they're about to spend 75, 74, 99 uh-huh. on this coming Saturday's pay-per-view. So the Jake Paul thing felt like it was always going to take a back seat. And then not for nothing, 
you hear those headlines and even I start saying like, bro, if they pulled this fight on Friday night because they felt like Anderson had been knocked out, I was like, dude, this is going to suck. <laughs> and here we are. And so I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts when you hear those final numbers after all the hype and uh, hullabaloo? How does that compare to his last fight? You know, was it Ben Askren or yeah? Do, do you, do you no, know the Woodley those? rematch. Oh, the Woodley rematch. Okay. Yeah. Um, that one did not do well. Now, I will say that one, I think a lot of people gave him a pass, myself included. Yeah. For the simple fact that they'd been selling Tommy Fury. That's right. That's, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. And then on short notice, you get the same thing you bought the last time. Yep. Yep. That was never going to do well. But like I said, I, I give him a bit of a pass. But even then, it just... um. Well, yeah, that, to answer your question, where did you want to go from there? So just just trying to look backwards on what the numbers were. So let's exclude that one because of the, the circumstances. But I feel like Woodley know. did well. Mm-hmm. I think that the Woodley one did well. It debuted on Showtime. I think that um, I think that there was probably a little more anticipation just because at the time it felt like, okay, this Woodley is levels ahead of the Nate Robinson and obviously Ben Askren. Yeah. It was the debut on Showtime. Um, so I felt like that one did like a solid around a half a million. Okay. Maybe okay. breaks that. But the numbers have not trended bigger since then. Gotcha. And you'll remember, so breaking even in pay-per-view, I know Chelsea and threw this out and I've stuck with it, if I'm being honest. Around a quarter of a million is breaking even when okay. you talk about all the advertising. Anything more than that, it's great. And then obviously when you start talking about breaking a million, two million, you're talking about historic, ridiculous numbers like Mayweather, Pacquiao, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, McGregor, yeah. Connor, yeah. Yeah, okay. So so that helps with trying to understand what 200 really means. And of course, the expectation would have been, you know, like you set it up, you set it perfectly. This is the fight that was supposed to be the one that establishes either, you know, Jake Paul as a legitimate uh combat sports you know personality i guess um and and then or or gets mma the win back that we so badly want against jake paul so yeah you know i don't think how do you how do you resuscitate this or recuperate on the next one i think he has to put himself in real danger not that he wasn't with silva that's why people wanted this one this is the one we're asking for but I think he has to fight someone, a real boxer. Does Nate Diaz have enough celebrity power to bring in a number bigger than 200? Oh, probably. Probably. Um, and there's not going to be any concern about, you know, age and knockdown, knockout, you know, just misusing words or anything like that. So um, I got to tell you, though, my first reaction was like, oh, I feel bad. For, for both of them, I don't know what Silva's cut would have been of that, but I, I do feel bad, especially if a lot of it, as Jake Paul says, had to do with those comments. Uh, you know, I listened to that clip, and, and according to him, the numbers were trending high pre-buys, and then as soon as that news came out, it just disappeared, like just zero. So that's a bummer, man, because it's not the kind of thing you could have predicted. It, it's just a flub of the English language, you know, replacing knock down with knock out, and, and the media runs away with it. Um, 
because I'm sort of interested in Jake Paul, Nate, Nate Diaz, and also more interested in seeing Jake Paul fight a real boxer, um, I hope that he can hold on to interest for the next couple of fights. Um, because, you know, look, it's a little bit of an eye roll when Jake Paul fights, but it's also exciting because you, if you're depending on what angle you're coming at the fight from, uh, if you're an MMA person, you're, you're looking to watch this guy get beat up. It hasn't happened yet, but um, I'm still probably going to be interested in his next couple of fights. So um, I would like, so, so this news does interest me and it does concern me a little bit because what I don't want is for it to dilute his ability to secure a big fight, another big fight. I'll toss it back to you. I mean, I, I enjoy a good circus as much as the next guy. So yeah. I'll admit that. I think that the way that this now works. So to me, I have a few questions. The first one, I do acknowledge the boxing game has really changed in, uh, let's be honest, maybe four, four years, not even like five or six. And what I mean by that is it used to be like what? Um, HBO, Showtime. There'd be a couple independent ones. Now, there's ESPN Top Rank, Pay-Per-View, Showtime, Pay-Per-View, DAZN, Pay-Per-View, um, Triller, Pay-Per-View, uh, you yeah. know, and, it go, and on and so-and-so, you know, on and on we go, right? Um, but what I mean by that is that so many of these companies, I get it, you know, like you put a lot of money and, you know, you can make something off of one guy, but you obviously want to make sure it's worth the risk financially before you potentially risk him fighting someone at one of the other houses. Now, with Jake Paul, yes, he's a big deal for Showtime. You got to think, you know, how many guys honestly could even pull 250 buys with against anybody? Yeah. Very few right now, right? Just uh, the way Jake can. I acknowledge that. I would argue, look, I believe they still have Deontay Wilder on under the Showtime banner. I think it would be one of the best ideas. Let's just, you know, put some stuff aside. Let's not worry about who gets the biggest cut. Let's just do good business. Put Jake Paul Nate Diaz on the undercard to Deontay Wilder Andy Ruiz. Huh. You're making that happen. That's the fight that they're working on for next year, right? Okay. Yeah. You know, why does it have to be, oh, well, how much can he sell on his own? I mean, look, I get it. He's in it for the money. Um, he likes to test himself, but he he's in it to get paid as well. That's why it's called prize fighting. I completely get that. But to me, if it's not going to do ridiculous numbers, would you not benefit more from bolstering another super event like that? I think that that's just what I end up coming to. And maybe that's me not knowing the numbers. Maybe his cut of 250 is better than splitting everything three or four ways if he yeah. was also going to bolster a Deontay or someone else's card like that. So that's really what I come down to is, you know, what would Jake Paul do? Um, you know... Uh, like I said, the Nate fight sells itself. You could sell Tommy Fury, but if you're going to do Tommy, if you're going to do somebody who isn't a proven pay-per-view person right here and now, then just do co-main event if you don't have the B-side. 
If you have the B-side, then obviously run it yourselves. But if it's going to be a Tommy, Uriah Hall, uh, Hasim Rahman Jr. still out there chirping, um, then let's just co-main event somebody. I, because otherwise, I think this does start to feel like you're now scraping the bottom of the barrel for that hype. And that's never what you want in promotion. I like that. I like the, the co-main idea. I have a question, though. Sure. Is there any value in going to free TV, like putting it on Fox or NBC? I don't know, something. CBS, I guess. Is well, I mean, Showtime wants to make sure they make their money, right? But um, I know, but I mean, wouldn't they make a lot with, ad- um, with advertisers? The, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I think that... I'll say this. You'd have to make sure... It's like the Super Bowl. You better make sure those commercials have sold for a lot of money if you're yeah. going to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, a small cut of a small pay-per-view is still better than free TV, right? Yeah, I guess so. That's the only thing I would... I mean, that's how I would say it. But Nate Diaz would... would I mean, those numbers, we'd see like, you know, early American Idol numbers if Nate Diaz fought Jake Paul on CBS, you know? Oh, man, that would be some crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the last time the Diaz brothers was, were on CBS? They got into a riot with Jake Shields. <laughs> <laughs> and mayhem and all this but um uh that clip is on youtube guys if you're an older if you're a newer fan check it out it was a fun day (laughs) you know i realized i brought this up um did you see this from saturday so we didn't really touch on it but the ufc essentially came out a couple uh i think even two weeks ago the week of 280 and said that fighters were not just fighters but in some states also their teammates and coaches and families couldn't yeah and families could no longer place bets through uh the sports betting apps like the ufc says yeah you can no longer bet and they dana white essentially said why because we had to because it's a you know too many people have inside information right Mm -hmm. In, in not so many words so this fight now comes out you have on um saturday's card Derek minner takes a you know the first round loss it looked like he uh injured his leg throwing the kick and then you know he he obviously went on to lose tko got hurt his opponent did what you're supposed to do when you smell blood in the water but now they're doing an investigation into you know because i guess a lot of bets started coming in for Derek minner to lose and it was like what is going on who has you know what does what does everyone know that we don't how is all this money coming in and now it is obviously not confirmed it is under investigation did someone who knew Derek Minner was out put that out there and suddenly people decided they're gonna get all this free money what are your thoughts man uh you know when I read the headline I thought it was a little more you know sinister than it than it turned out to be well, at least so far, the evidence suggests it is. You know, this one doesn't really seem like that big of a deal to me. Like, if you know a little bit of info on somebody, I mean, why can't you use that to make money on a bet? <laughs> Am I just like totally okay? I uh, <laughs> all right. So, have you ever? I'm trying to think of some good men. Some high-profile examples. Did you see the movie 21? That's the only one that's popping into my head. No. Where the college kid learns how to count cards. Anyway, um, 
a good movie, but the whole thing is that, um, you know, this kid, they go to like MIT, he learns how to count cards. Oh, I did see that. I did see that movie. He gets yeah. in trouble. Lawrence Fishburne is like this security guy. Anyway, he pretty much beats that boy down to say like, hey, you know, like you think we don't know what you're doing. You're robbing the system. Don't think that this isn't a crime. Like, you know, essentially very mobster style. Mm -hmm. Uh, These sports betting apps, even though they're all very digital and convenient and they're like they're like Postmates on your phone. They're very accessible. Mm -hmm. No one's into losing money. And I think that when you i completely get what you're saying but when all of these people are suddenly making that money hand over fist because oh you you knew something and now it's like now suddenly it's like well, hey, hey hey now like we're this is not how it works it's supposed obviously the house is supposed to want to always win that's yeah. a saying but you know no one's trying to let you rob the bank without uh punishment Mm -hmm. and remember now all these sports betting sites are really investing money into ufc into the websites so here's what i thought of with the Derek minner thing maybe he heard it throwing that kick and maybe there is coincidences out there that's feels very naive just me saying it but I will acknowledge, okay, yeah. let's say, I mean, he threw that kick pretty hard. I, I heard it. Oof. You know, I feel like guys have gotten hurt throwing less. If you're t- Now, here's the kicker, Natalie. <laughs> James Krause has publicly said in as many words, he has made a lot of money betting on fights. Yeah. He knows his stuff and he puts some money down and, well, you know, nothing wrong with uh, finding opportunities to make money. Mm-hmm power to you now this stuff has come out i i I guess it here's how i feel about it optically it hurts for both sides because why shouldn't fighters especially in this era where we talk so much about fighter pay Mm -hmm. hey it's an easy way for you to use knowledge and uh, let me rephrase that to use your insight and your background Mm-hmm. to bet on fights and i don't mean like oh i know my teammate hurt their arm mm-hmm. i mean hey i know mma i want to place a bet on this fight in the era of fighter pay that seems like a very fair way for a guy to be should be allowed to make his money now let's talk about the b side of that coin obviously now you enter a scenario where it's very easy to have inside information i knew tj's shoulder was out i knew Derek's. L- Fibia, you know, um, shin was already compromised. Well, can you in good conscience place a bet on your teammate to lose if you know they're hurt? Um, I'm sure a lot of people, yeah, they like money. Yeah. Nothing personal. Um, now we enter this scenario. Obviously, if a lot of pl- a lot of athletes are doing that, then the apps and all the sports betting sites have a problem rightfully so they they have a right to be mad i can certainly understand that point of view if you're the athletes remember now that and i, I was actually informed about this natalie we're going to have a bit of education before we get to new york okay licensed apps are built in a way that you can only access only one household one 
one account per household can access them. Like your fan duels, your big ones, right? Oh, okay. Some of the more, you know, different ones that are still legit sports books, they don't have that problem. But a lot of these big licensed ones with money, they are able to check, hey, is your spouse, you know, there's only one, is your spouse making a bet for you? Hmm. Or put, to put it this way, it is more possible. Mm-hmm. Which now raises the question, if I am an athlete and I'm saying, hey, you know, well, I had my brother, my wife, my this, my that. Well, yeah, you could do that, but now it suddenly seems like it's a very easy way to kind of see your inner circle if there's some money being placed. Mm-hmm. The other side of that, well, ask somebody you're not that close to. And do not do I now suddenly expect this person that I'm not that close to to not snitch if someone asks him a question? Yeah, exactly. All of this makes it very difficult, one, to police it, two, to not force a complete blanket punishment like i think the ufc is trying to do by saying yeah if we catch any of you guys that's a breach of the rules punishment's coming and all of that is to say natalie i just um i don't really know that there's a solution to this problem what about you yeah i don't know either i'm just thinking as you're talking i'm like what are the ways that you could get around that so you have to do cash like i would pay you know I would pay you cash <laughs> to buy me. Uh, Hi- <laughs> hypothetically. Of course, hypothetically. Yes. Cash. And then let's say, you know, that bet won $10,000. Well, then how do I get my get my money back? You're and- not getting your money back, Natalie. <laughs> you shouldn't have trusted me. And eventually you're going to make a mistake and you're going to get caught and it's going to be like, was it really worth it? But here's my question about the actual fight. Is the is the suggestion here that um, Minner, everyone knew he was injured going into it, and and then as and therefore knew he couldn't win, or did they know he was injured and then know he was going to like exacerbate the injury by throwing a kick with an injured leg? I'm not gonna lie, I do believe it is the former. Okay. I, I think in all honesty, I think they knew he was hurt. He was gonna go out and do his best, but let's call it like it is. Right. Um. So here's the thing. Obviously, the optics don't look good because now, you know, I don't want to throw that. I know, but he's like not commenting. Because right? now he's right there and it's like, oh, it doesn't look good. Yeah. It may. I'm not saying he's guilty, but it's like, come on, man, this doesn't mm-hmm. look good. I don't. I'm not breaking news. I don't think that's a judgment thing to say. It doesn't I mean, look it's good. It's in the article. He, you it know, just doesn't look sloppy. good. Yeah, it doesn't look good. It just doesn't look good. I'm not saying he did it, but it doesn't look good. <laughs> You get what I'm saying. Yeah, if you anyway, do the MMA math. Yeah, I, I, I like him personally. I think he's a great coach, but it doesn't look good. Anyway, um, so and here we are. Look, I think that this is what's going to happen. They are going to bust some people, like throw the book at them to try to make a statement. But then it's just going to be, it's kind of going to be like USADA. Like, mm, hey, look, okay. you know. Maybe some people get away with it. I don't know. But if you get busted, it's TJ Dillashaw. There's no, uh, you know, clemency for your situation. You did it and you had to be and you're the one that got caught. Maybe everyone does it. Doesn't matter. We caught you. And that's just the end of that. 
Because yeah. otherwise, you know, obviously the apps are going to be like UFC, this ain't happening. And, you know, they are investing a good chunk of money that UFC isn't going to just ignore. They want to keep an investor like that happy. Yeah, they're going to make an example of whatever, whatever, you know, not to shake out of the tree here. They're going to make an example of them to tell everyone else, like, see, we were serious when we added, when we suddenly added this to your contract. Yeah. But... <coughs> Natalie, I don't know if I could do that. I would be so stressed. Yeah, I know I would be too. It's like we knew it was you. It's like, did you? Did they? <laughs> Oh my God, like I didn't even do anything wrong and I'm nervous. You know yeah. what I mean? That's how I, gold, man. That's how I would feel about it. Mm-hmm. I will say they got to talk about that. They got to be allowed to place bets on non-MMA stuff. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, bro, like who cares? Like if I want to bet on football, let me Are live. they not allowed to bet on anything? No. Oh, I thought it was just MMA. No, and a bunch of the apps, I think not, not even other stuff, which I find... I feel like that's a rule that must happen, but it's like, I mean, let a man bet on some baseball or something. What's on wrong? On a horse. I mean, jeez. Right? That's odd. <sighs> yeah. This is a, not an easy solution. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some fun stuff. Hold on. MSG. Before you go, in, I'm sorry. sorry I have to interrupt you because this Logan Paul WWE thing, I know we didn't touch on it, but. I was very blown away by his performance. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you know, back with Jake Paul. This has been an amazing two weeks for that family. <laughs> yeah. That the, the, the big bro showed out against the superstar of the WWE. I, I was very impressed with the highlights. Dude. And then Jake Paul got his shots in, too. Full respect. You know he his body has to still be feeling it a little bit. I don't care how young he is. And he was backing them up, laid some dudes out on pay-per-view. I was like, you know what? Live your best life, gentlemen. I, I right. respect it. I respect it too, man. And like, they are athletes and like actually pretty elite athletes because the stuff Logan Paul's doing in there, that stuff's, that stuff's not easy. Like, you know, you know, you see wrestlers and you don't, you don't know their backgrounds, but when it's someone that you do know their background, like Ronda Rousey, Cain Velasquez, even Logan Paul to a certain extent, you're like, okay, now I know you're busting your ass to do a good job here because you're doing some amazing stuff. Logan Paul's doing those split jumps. I mean, his long... The leapfrog, right? Yeah. Yeah, his daddy long legs. I mean, that is a lot of work. And honestly, dude, he looked great. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Gentlemen, you know, you go live your best lives, exactly. I can't believe Logan Paul ever wasted time boxing. I know. The boy was missing his calling the whole dang time. It's crazy, dude. It was really impressive. You know, I say that as a guy who went to his fights. Bro, you were... You know the wrong, the wrong game the whole time, Logan. Yeah. No, can you believe that boy flog, boxed Floyd Mayweather too? I know it's crazy. Like what a, you know, what, what a, a list to put on your tombstone, right? What a world. Yeah. You know, but yeah, no, I, I like that. You knew Jake was gonna. I'm surprised they haven't done a freaking. You know that would sell so good if they tag team. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I'll say it. I know WrestleMania is coming to Hollywood next spring or something. They're going to, they got to double them up. Jake and Logan, you know, give them a good match against some other, you know, boys in the WWE. I think it'd be good stuff. But yeah, I think that that's a very easy opportunity for all involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about New York. Uh, Let's start from the bottom up. 
lightweights, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. What I like about this fight, you've seen the clip by now. Um, Poirier doesn't like Chandler. Chandler said, well, whatever, let's do this. Um, Not BFFs. They got some heat. Most importantly, this fight feels like very integral to the last hurrah similar to like jose aldo every fight like look if you don't win this Uh your chances of getting that title shot are just done this kind of feels like it a bit for dustin poirier and chandler probably more chandler if i'm being quite honest in that you know he's had these great performances and all that but i want to say he's about 35 36 he's fighting great he looks great at a certain point, all these guys just keep getting younger and it, it making that run just gets harder, right? It just becomes harder to do. Yeah. As you get lower in the rankings, it's not about you getting the big fight. It's about having to hold off the younger guys trying to make a name off of you. And the same thing for Dustin Poirier. And so when you talk about having a new champion in Islam Mahachev that neither of them have fought, this is so crucial for them to still stay in that conversation that already has Volkanovski, that already has Benil Dariush. So you have two dynamic lightweights, high stakes, both don't have time to waste at this stage of their careers. I think that says everything you need to know about how important this fight is. What about you? Yeah, it is. Although I'll disagree with you on one thing. I think it's you know, a loss for Poria, I think, would be worse than a loss for Chandler. I hear you on the age, and, you know, the fighters aren't getting any younger, but Poirier's already had two title shots. And, you know, now the good thing, what's in, what's in Poirier's favor, um, actually Ch- Chandler's favor, too, is that, you know, we have a new champ, so no one's going to say, oh, we already saw that fight. Um, but how many cracks at the at the belt can you get? Um this one makes me nervous because I like them both so much. And, and yeah, you want to see both of these guys finally get, get the, the real belt wrapped around their waist. I'm going to go ahead and just cut to the chase here because there's a couple of guarantees, you know, like the, or, or like in geometry, they say givens, right? There's a couple of givens here. Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler are going to come out to put on a show. It's going to probably be, start a little bit like Chandler Gaethje did, right? Where they just ran at each other and went for it. This is three rounds as well, right? Yes. Okay, so that's even more adds to the intensity of this bout. Um, I, I think if I'm Michael Chandler, even though he's made his name in the UFC for being supremely exciting, uh, for, for, for you know falling on his sword, for punching himself out and getting back up again, that's why people love him in the UFC. If he does that again, you know, full throttle, he's going to get into trouble really fast. So what I'd like to see from Michael Chandler is just a little bit more patience. Now, it's three rounds, so there's not a whole lot of time to be patient, but just take your time with the shots. Worry, you know, I would say put your game plan ahead of your um entertainment plan right like i know you want to entertain the masses but i want he's here for a good time not a long time (laughs) not a long time yeah exactly Uh, but i just i just want him to be a little more patient not a whole lot right just a little bit more patient pick his shots use his wrestling that's what i want michael chandler to do now if you do that 
Is the fight going to be as exciting? No, but I think he can still get a win if he does that and waits for the right moment to use his hands. Uh, Poirier is just such a slick all-around MMA fighter. We've seen him do everything in the book and then some. And so I'm not sure how his chin holds up to Chandler, but you know the same can be said for Chandler. I I think we're going to see more of a different Michael Chandler than we are a different Dustin Poirier. Um, that being said, we're still going to get a heck of a fight, a barn burner. Um, and this is probably more of a heart pick than a head pick, but I think Michael Chandler is going to finish Dustin Poirier in round three, TKO. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I think um, full respect on what you're saying about Dustin. I think that for myself, it just becomes one of those fights like you brought up. What kind of fight does Chandler choose to go with? I mm-hmm. think that more conservative approach, when it's only 15 minutes to work, you, you, you're taking your chances, right? You know, if he's starting to look to wrestle, one, you know, one punch, you know, set it up. I think that to Poirier's credit, the fight should stylistically favor him in that Chandler isn't going to be completing just, you know, no setup double leg takedowns. Chandler's going to have to get into a couple exchanges, get Poirier thinking about it, and then set it up, you know, show the hands, change levels. For Poirier, that favors him just because I think that he's better at using more weapons. Obviously, when you have power like Chandler, uh, you don't always need to be good as much as aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, that can backfire. But also, look, it's a very real, we- very real weapon that Poirier is going to have to watch out for. I think that when you talk about the wrestling, I think that it's going to be a slow process. What I mean by that, I actually don't expect Chandler to complete the first one right away. I actually think it's going to be a bit like the Tony Ferguson fight. Okay. You're going to have to get and do some work. You might have to get Poirier against the fence. You might have to do a bit of that work against the clinch and knees to the thigh and all this other stuff that isn't fun. But the point of that, what I'm trying to get at, is that if it doesn't happen immediately for Chandler, do not expect this to go right straight to the middle of the cage and throw you know, throw haymakers. I could see a more methodical breakdown for Chandler if he feels like, hey, you know, this is where I can keep him. This is what I could do. Obviously, if Poirier gets going, he's able to keep himself off the fence and all this other stuff, then it becomes Chandler needs to, you know, make one of those bombs land, start doing that damage uh, early. Don't try to they're just the way Chandler fights, I don't want him getting into a long drawn out fight with mm-hmm. Poirier. We kind of saw that with Justin Gaethje. He started running out of gas. I wouldn't want him for his, if he's going to win to fight quite the same way. I think that you don't want to be in that position if you're Chandler. So conserve your energy. Try to not put yourself in that position. Obviously, if Poirier is winning, he's most likely having that kind of fight, and then it's on Chandler to make something happen. To me, I think that this is such a pivotal bout because you feel like if Chandler loses, it's like, hey, you know, you're not talking about the Mahachevs and the Charles anymore. You're talking about the Matus Gamrots and the Rafael Fazivs, the guys mm-hmm. moving their ways up. Yeah. And you are trying to get back there. 
and that's never a good position to be in. So I do think that that's a lot for Chandler. Poirier, it almost feels like Colby Covington's always there. There's a couple things always there. That being said, I acknowledge what you're saying. Two shots already for the title. You kind of need some special at this stage of the game to get the third one. I will go with who I think is winning the fight, and I just think that stylistically, the pieces work out better in favor of Poirier. Uh I think a decision, I think that it's going to be a little similar to the Gaethje fight in that he's going to have to outlast him a little bit. I think he's going to have to be the more technically effective fighter. Um, Plenty of opportunity to see some carnage out there, which is what I'm hoping for. But I do think in the end, the pieces just work that Poirier outlasts Michael Chandler, keeps it on the feet, gets more fist-to-face, and gets that W that way. Okay. I like it. In the strawweight division, Carlos Esparza looking to erase the memory of the rematch to Rose Namajunas. The way it played out, the ending was pretty good for her after the final bell, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have Zhang Li coming off an electrifying back elbow knockout of Joanna Yonjechik. Obviously, a big opportunity to regain the title. Gets exactly what you want after you've gone 0-2 against a champion like she did against Rose Namajunas. And then for Carla, six-fight win streak. You've beaten Yan Shanan. You've beaten Rose. If you beat Zhang Li, this is easily one of the best runs by a straw weight in a while as well. Obviously, she's always going to be tied to Rose, but the strength of those three victories back to back to back would be very seminal for someone like Carla. So plenty on the line. The belt is on the line. Um, I think personally, just that motivation, you know that Carla... I mean, the UFC re-released... You know how they always bring the recent fights to YouTube to promote Mm -hmm. the pay-per-view. The comment section on the Carla Rose 2. Oh, my gosh. Fans have not forgotten. (laughs) I have to go look at that. You know know Carla wants to change the conversation. But she knows she's got to fight her fight. She's not not just Gondraj. She's not just Engechi. You don't just go out there, start blasting. You got to fight a good fight. Zhang Wei Li, naturally more dynamic, great kicks, uses her hands, can grapple a bit, very well conditioned, can fight five rounds, plenty of problems as a challenger, has been here before in title fights, makes for a very exciting bout. What are your thoughts? Yes, it does have the potential to be an exciting bout because I have to, you know, forget as far as Anama Yunus too and look think about Esparza and Yan Shanan, and that was thrilling. Unexpected performance from my perspective. It was an unexpected performance for Color Esparza, who I know of, who I think of as someone who's patient and careful and determined. But this was a finish that, you know, I'm not used to seeing that from her. So in any case, um, is Whaley still with, Sorry, Henry Cejudo and Eric Elbarsin. You know? I've heard it's more like a consult- consultant kind of deal. Like, yes, they talk and yes, he provides info, but she's doing her work week in, week out with the team in Thailand. Okay. I was just thinking about the wrestling and how how um, 
no, much but... of a factor that could be in this in this fight, depending on what Whaley's been working on. So if she was still with Cejudo, I would have you know given more weight to to the, her wrestling game. Um, but I'm not trying to take anything away from her. She's she's definitely improved a lot in that arena in that area, and um, you know, she's got the size and strength advantage over Sparza. You know, my heart wants Sparza to win, but my head thinks it's going to be Whaley getting the belt back just because she's bigger, stronger, faster. And she's not going to be afraid to charge forward. Sparza can try to take her down, but I don't think she'll have much luck holding Whaley down. So I think Whaley's going to be able to pretty much execute her game plan. I'm predicting a TKO in round two with uh, Wei Li Zhang getting the belt back. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, also, I think that just stylistically, um, this fight really favors Wei Li in that she is so much, and I say this respectfully, she is shorter and more compact. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's just, it, it should in my mind be harder for Carla Sparza to use her game against a fighter who stylistically works the way Wei Li does. I think that um, Wei Li's speed, I think that just her variety in terms of her shot selection, I think provides plenty of problems just like Rose did to, for Carla. But then I think the fact that um, it, it, everything for Carla is about working inside into that pocket, I think that Wei Li just works better in that range than Rose Namajunas, who... Quite simply, she does her best when she's able to really use that full arsenal at mid-range. I think when you start about talking to get closer, Rose, even though she could use that her Muay Thai, you know, she kind of wants to be able to pepper you and pick you apart surgically at, at a longer distance. So I think that that difference in and of itself really favors Wei Li. I think the takedowns are going to be the biggest X factor. Obviously, you feel like if Carla could get them efficiently throughout the fight, this probably favors her. If she doesn't, you kind of feel like even though there weren't hardly any takedowns since she won the fight with Rose. Yeah. Lightning can't strike twice like that. I just don't see it happening. So I do think that in that way, it would favor Zhang Weili. So... Um, I'm going to roll with you. I like the second round. I think that we want to see something exciting and we feel like stylistically this could provide that. I'm going to go with you there. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Um, which brings us to the Peace de Resistance. <laughs> the Strikers Oasis, Israel Adesanya, Alex Pereira, middleweight championship on the line. So... Arasanya did this. I was very insulted because it's like, okay, you don't got to say it like that. We're all here working. Have you seen, uh, more than the highlights, but have you seen the full clips of the fight between uh, Izzy and Alex in kickboxing? No, I haven't. Just seen the highlights. So I will say, I, I am... Right now, I know I've seen some of the first fight, but I do remember the second fight where the knockout happened. And that first going, I actually felt like Adesanya was fighting Alex great. I think, go find the clip. Uh You would say, well, so far, this is an Adesanya winning this fight. Now, look, we know what kind of power Alex has in his hands. 
Izzy got out of position, zigs instead of zags, the left hand lands, and, you know, credit to Alex Pereira, even Arasanya said it as well today on MMA Hour, he deserves the bragging rights, he's the one who got the win, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, that's how this works. I think that all of the factors now make this so interesting. I think that for Alex Pereira, it's really about landing those very specific weapons. For Adesanya, he is good and I would say better than anyone else out there in the game. If you stay at mid-range all night, he will just pick you apart all night. Yeah. He doesn't need to go looking for this big bomb. He doesn't need to go looking for this kiss of death with one of the limbs. He just does his thing and his ability to keep you there easily the best, you know, one of the best in the game. You could argue the best in the game. I think that when you look at the way he implements his style, it's hard to say someone else is better at getting in and out as dynamic as he does. Then you have Alex Pereira, not as many fights. And we've talked about it. He got to a title shot faster than Hamzat Chemaev. And look yeah. how much the UFC loves Hamzat. <laughs> Full credit to him. Only Jiri has gotten one faster, I feel like, in the modern era. Um, uh, Michael Chandler, too, but uh, I don't know. I feel like we knew more about Chandler than we did about Jiri. So that's why it feels more rapid. But anyway, you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, and he's looked great. I mean, Alex Pereira, he just has that. He, he, I've heard this sometimes if you just are big and scary, they don't want you to talk more because it makes you more intimidating. Just like, man, he's just he's just an assassin. Like he doesn't say much. He just goes out there, sends you to the shadow realm and collects his check. Yep. But Alex is also very good. And also Israel Adesanya is not looking to grapple and wrestle and do all this stuff. They're going to fight their fight and may the best man win on the feet. And I think that that is going to favor a guy like Alex. All those things that other people would give you problems, Adesanya isn't going to... Adesanya, ironically, is the best middleweight in the world right now, isn't going to do them. Makes it for a lot of fun. What about you? A lot of fun, indeed. This is one of the ones I'm most excited about. Not only for the history coming into the fight with them in the UFC, but just because of the type of fighters they are. And yeah, the thing with Izzy is he 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 impressed us so much with his grit, his talent, his you know his flair. Especially, I always think about that Kelvin Gastelum fight, you know, round five, and he's mouthing to Gastelum, you know, um, I'm prepared to die in here. That's the Izzy that we all fell in love with. That's the Izzy that rose to stardom, that got the cover of UFC, you know, EA4, or whatever it's called. And people have sort of been disappointed with some of his more recent performances, like Jerry Cannonier, where they feel like, why aren't you finishing these opponents? Why are you just trying to win on points? But he's really good at that, right? He, the mid-range, like you said. He can, just, he can just do that all night, and why should he take damage when he doesn't need to? He already proved that he can do it. Now he just wants to hold on to the belt. It sort of seems like this, that's what's happening now. We can't know that for sure. But with Pereira, I think we're going to see a little bit of the old Izzy because this is this is about retribution. This is about settling a score. This isn't just about keeping the, the belt in your hands on your around your waist. So 
because of that, I think we're going to see a little bit more of the flair of the killer instinct from Adesanya. But in doing so, what does he expose himself to? The knockout, right, from Pereira that he's already experienced. And we saw with Sean Strickland, who was kind of, I don't say this, I say this respectfully somehow, if that's possible, kind of like a bozo, just fighting silly, being a goofball, and walking right in there. is never going to do that. But does that mean that he's not going to take chances? No. Does that mean that when he takes chances, Pereira can't get in there and land a shot or two that could, you know, give him a, put him on a, on, on wobbly legs and, and op- make an opening, create an opening for a, a knockout or a TKO? No. And so I think even though Adesanya's had this long, amazing run, I think it's going to be one of those shocking nights where Alex Pereira manages to get a knockout again of Adesanya despite how well Adesanya might look on Saturday night. I think Prayer is going to get it done again. So I'm going to go with a knockout uh, round four for Pereira and New. So we're doing it like that, huh? I I didn't know it was like that today. All right, all right. I wasn't ready. (laughs) You know, say it with your chest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, you know what? Um, What I like about the fight, I think that is that Adesanya, uh, I'll be honest, and maybe it's because he's so good at talking on the mic. He, he He's kind of sold me on his confidence. He said, I know Alex got me, but I, I'm not worried. I know how who I am today compared to the guy who lost that fight then. Yeah. I do think that stylistically, this still actually favors Adesanya, believe it or not. Okay. And, and And I'll tell you why. I feel like Alex is still a guy who almost needs to... He's kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. He's going to stick to his guns and look to just hit you with that one big shot and try to force it. Adesanya, like I said, he will keep you at a long distance all night. And I think you have to give him credit. Look how effective he's been able to do it against... Robert Whitaker twice, Kelvin, Jared Cannonier, Paulo Costa, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Romero. He has not beaten Scrubs during no. this title run. He's beaten some of Marvin Vittori. All of those are tough middleweights that beat a lot of dudes. And Israel Adesanya has really dismantled several of them in, in impressive fashion. Alex is a different kettle of fish. I will say that. And I think what makes them different, specifically, like I said, against Adesanya, neither of these guys are looking to grapple. I'll say it. A guy like Robert Whitaker probably gives a guy like Alex Pereira a ton of problems. But those same things aren't really going to be there against uh, Adesanya when he steps in the cage. I think that, yes, Pereira, more heavy-handed, heavy-footed. I think that if Izzy stays in that pocket, things are probably going to start... Uh, accumulating bruises and welts very quickly from Alex for sure however I think that speed volume I think that's just the way Izzy likes to work and I think that if they fight the way I think they're gonna fight I think that Adesanya this goes back to who he is he's been at the top of his game for a while and I'm going to give him that special credit that I only reserve for guys like GSP, Anderson, Demetrius. 
you give a guy who's been that good this long Mm -hmm. the benefit of the doubt that if things start to go astray, they have that extra something to keep it on track. I give Adesanya that credit. I think especially you're talking about a fight that they plan to have on the feet. I'm going Adesanya and I am going to go, I'm going to go decision. I think that he's going to give us another nail biter and we're going to be like, can Pereira land that one last shot? (laughs) Can he still do it? He's still, he's still in this fight. It's not over to, I feel like Adesanya is going to force us to have one of those nights again, but that's where we're going to be. (sighs) Who's next? Who wins? And this and that. We will discuss it next week. Natalie, can you believe after this one last pay-per-view, only about four or five UFC events in total and a couple Bellators and PFLs in between? I can't believe it. I really can't. That's shocking. (laughs) It just kind of feels like, okay, you know, it's like... This is like the last test before the final for the school year. That's the the only way I have to say it. Yes, you got a couple more essays, a couple more quizzes, but let's be honest. You get past this one and you do well. Really, there's just that one more at the end of the line pretty soon and that's it. We're done. So, I personally like it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been another long episode, so I appreciate you guys sticking with us. Remember, we'll be back next week to discuss results. Um, the next upcoming events, MMA news. So remember to like, comment, subscribe, and we'll be back next week. Take care.